the third reading of the life of St. Mary of Egypt. She said to him, Believe me, revered father, for 17 years I wandered in this desert, struggling with those irrational desires, as if with wild beasts. Whenever I tried to take some food, I yearned for meat and fish that abound in Egypt. I longed to drink wine, which was constantly in my thoughts, for I used to drink a lot of wine when I was living in the world. But since I did not have even water to drink here, I was burning with terrible thirst and could not endure its deprivation. Also an irrational desire for lascivious songs entered my mind, always disturbing me profoundly and trying to disuse me into singing the demonic songs that I have learned. But immediately I would shed tears and beat my breast with my hand to remind myself of the agreement I made when I came out to the desert. In my mind I would stand in front of the icon of the Mother of God, my guarantor, and I would weep before her, asking her to chase away those thoughts that assailed my miserable soul in this way. When I had shed enough tears and had beaten my breast as hard as I could, I used to see light shining everywhere around me. From that moment on, after that storm, I would feel constant tranquility deep inside me. How can I describe to you, revered Father, those thoughts that were urging me again to fornication? Indeed, deep in my miserable heart, a burning desire was kindled and set my whole being aflame and excited my desire for intercourse. Whenever such a thought came to my mind, I would at once throw myself to the ground and let my tears fall on the earth, imagining that she who acted as guarantor for me was present as my protector, and that since I was disobeying, disobeying her, she was rightly inflicting punishment on me because of my trespasses. So I did not raise my eyes, but kept them cast down on the ground, even if it happened that I had to spend the whole day and night there, until the sweet light shone around me, chasing away those thoughts that disturbed me. Therefore I constantly raised the eyes of my mind toward my guarantor, seeking her help for one who was in danger of drowning in the sea of the desert. And indeed, she always helped and assisted me in my repentance. In this way, seventeen years passed by during which I encountered countless dangers. But from that day until now, my helper, the Virgin, has stood by me and guided me through all hardships. Then Zosima said to her, Did you not need food or clothes? And she answered him, After I consumed those loaves of bread, as I said before, during those seventeen years, I then fed myself with wild plants and whatever else can be found in the desert. As for the cloak I wore when I crossed the Jordan, it was torn to pieces and wore out long ago. I have endured cold and again the flames of summer, scorching in the burning heat and freezing and shivering in the frost, so that many times I collapsed to the ground and remained there scarcely breathing or moving. The fact is that I have struggled against many and various calamities and unbearable temptations. But from that day until now the power of God has preserved my sinful soul and humble body in many ways. For in only thinking of those evils from which he rescued me, I received an inexhaustible food, the hope of my salvation, for I fed, for I feed and cover myself with the word of God who governs the universe. For man shall not live by bread alone, and because they had no shelter, those who have removed the covering of sin have embraced the rock. When Zosimus heard her citing verses of scripture from Moses, Job, and the book of Psalms, he asked her, have you read the Psalms or other books, my lady? 
When she heard this, she smiled gently and said to the monk, Believe me, my good man, I have not seen another man since I crossed the Jordan except your own face today, nor have I seen any beast or any other animal since I saw this desert. So I have never read, learned to read, nor have I learned, heard anyone chant psalms or read sacred texts. Yet the word of God, which is living and powerful, teaches man knowledge. This is the end of my story. But as I did when I first started my story, I shall not ask you again to swear in the name of the incarnate word of God that you will pray to the Lord for me, the prodigal woman. When she completed her narration with these words, the monk rushed to make prostration. Crying aloud again in tears, Blessed be God who doth great and wondrous things, glorious things also and marvelous, for which there is no number. Blessed be God who showed me all those wonders which he grants to those who fear him. For truly, Lord, thou hast not failed them that diligently seek thee. But she grasped hold of the monk and did not allow him to complete his prostration, saying to him, I want you to swear to me, my good man, in the name of the Savior Christ our God, that you will not tell anyone all these things you have heard until God releases me from this world. In the meantime, go in peace, and you shall see me again, and I shall see you again next year, protected by the grace of God. But in the name of the Lord, do what I now bid you. During next year's Holy Lent, do not cross the Jordan as you are accustomed to do at that monastery. Zosimus was astonished when he heard her reciting the rule of the monastery, and he said nothing else but, Glory to God who grants gifts to those who love him. Then she said, Revered Father, stay in the monastery as I said, for if you wish to go out, nothing good will happen to you. On the holy night of the Last Supper, take for my sake the life-giving blood and body of Christ, and put it into a sacred vessel worthy of such great mysteries. Bring it with you, and wait for me at all events on the bank of the Jordan that is near the inhabited area, so that I may come and receive the life-giving gifts. For since the time I received Holy Communion in the church of the Forerunner before I crossed the Jordan, I have been unable to receive this blessing up to this day. But now I long for this with unrestrained fervor. For this reason I ask and I beg you not to disregard my request. But bring me without fail those life-giving and sacred gifts at the time when the Lord invited his disciples to partake of the Divine Supper. Also say these words to Father John, the superior of the monastery in which you live. Take care for yourself and your flock, for certain things are happening there that need correction. I do not want you to say this to him now, but when the Lord allows you. After she spoke these words and said to the monk, Pray for me, she ran off once more into the depths of the desert. Then Zosimus Kneeling and venerating the traces that her feet had left in the ground, praised and thanked God, and began his return journey, rejoicing in both body and soul, glorifying and praising Christ our God. And after traversing that part of the desert, he arrived at the monastery on the customary day of return for the monks who lived there. For the whole year he kept silent, not daring to say to anybody anything of what he had seen. But deep inside him he entreated God to show him again the person he longed for, he was worried and anxious as he considered the length of one year, wishing it, if possible, that one year would become one day. When the Sunday arrived after which Holy Lent begins, immediately after the usual prayer, while all the other monks went out of the monastery chanting psalms, he was stricken with fever and was forced to remain inside. Zosimus then remembered the blessed woman who had said, If you wish to go out of the monastery, nothing good will happen to you. A few days passed, and then he recovered from the illness and stayed in the monastery. 
When the monks returned in the evening of the Last Supper came, he did what he had been commanded. After placing the undefiled body and sacred blood of Christ our God in a small chalice, he put it in a small basket, dried figs, dates, and a small portion of lentil soaked in water, and departed late in the evening. He sat on the bank of the river Jordan, awaiting the arrival of the blessed woman. And although the holy woman was late, Zosimus did not doze, but steadfastly watched the desert, waiting to see the one whom he longed to see. While he sat there, the monk said to himself, Is it possible that my own unworthiness prevented her from coming? Is it possible that she came and not finding me here left again? While he was saying these words, he wept, and while he shed tears, he sighed. He raised his eyes to heaven and prayed to God, saying, Do not deprive me, Lord, of laying eyes again on what thou didst once also allow me to see. Do not let me depart empty-handed, carrying my own sins for judgment. Having made this tearful prayer, another thought occurred to him, and he said to himself, What will happen even if she does come? Since there is no boat around here, how will she cross the Jordan and come to me, the unworthy one? Alas, for my unworthiness and pitiable condition, who deprived me rightly of such good. While the monk was thinking this, behold, the blessed woman, coming from the further side, reached the river and stood on the opposite bank. Zosima stood up, full of happiness and joy, praising God. But again he struggled with the thought that she might not be able to cross the Jordan. Then he saw her making the sign of the Holy Cross of the Jordan, for as he told us, there was a full moon that night. And at the same time she set foot on the water and walked on it, approaching him. When he wished to make a prostration, she prevented him, crying aloud as she walked on the water, What are you doing, revered father, you who are a priest and holding the divine gifts? As he complied with her words, she stepped out of the water and said to the monk, Bless me, father, bless me. He answered her, trembling with fear, for he was astonished at that extraordinary sight. Indeed, God spoke the truth when he promised that those who purify themselves liken themselves to God as much as possible. Glory be to thee, Christ our God, who didst not disregard my prayers and didst show mercy to thy servant. Glory be to thee, Christ our God, who has shown me through this thy servant of thine how far I am from reaching the measure of perfection. As he was saying these words, the woman asked him to recite the Holy Creed of our faith and to begin the prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. When this was done and the prayer came to an end, according to custom, she gave the monk the kiss of love on his mouth. And having received the life-giving sacraments, she raised her hands to heaven, sighed with tears in her eyes, and cried aloud, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Then she said to the monk, Forgive me, Father, but I beg you, fulfill one more wish of mine. Under the protection of God's grace, return now to the monastery and come again next year to that dry stream bed where I met you before. Come without fail in the name of the Lord, and you shall see me again as the Lord wishes. He answered her, I only wish it would be possible for me to follow you from now on and look always upon your holy face. Fulfill an old man's wish and take some of the food I have brought here. As soon as he said this, he showed her the basket he had with him. She touched the lentils with her fingertips took three of the lentil beans and brought them to her mouth, saying that the grace of the Spirit was able to preserve undefiled the essence of her soul. Having spoken these words, she said again to the monk, Pray in the name of the Lord, pray for me and remember my wretchedness. He touched the blessed woman's feet and asked her with tears in his eyes to pray for the church, for the empire, and for him. He then released her and took his departure, sighing and lamenting. 
for he did not dare to hold for long one who could not be held. He want, she once more made the sign of the cross over the Jordan, stepped upon the water, and walked across exactly as before. The monk returned to his monastery with joy and great fear, blaming himself for not seeking to learn the name of the blessed woman, but he hoped to be able to do so the following year. When the year passed, he went again to the desert, doing everything according to the custom of the monastery, and ran to meet that extraordinary marvel. After he walked a long distance in the desert, he reached a point where there were signs indicating that he had found the place he was looking for. He looked carefully right and left, turning his gaze in every direction like a most experienced hunter, pursuing a most sweet prey. But as he did not see anything moving anywhere, he began to shed copious tears, and raising his eyes to heaven, he prayed, Show me, my Lord, thy inviolate treasure that thou hast hidden in this desert. Show me, I pray, the one who is an angel incarnate, of whom this world is unworthy. While he was saying this prayer, he reached the place that had the form of a dry stream bed, and saw the blessed woman lying dead on its eastern slope her hands folded in the proper manner, and her body lying in such a way that she was facing toward the east. He ran up to her and bathed the feet of the blessed woman with his tears, for he did not dare to touch any other part of her body. After he wept for some time and recited psalms appropriate to the occasion, he offered a funerary prayer and said to himself, it is, is it proper to bury the remains of the blessed woman? Would the blessed woman approve this? And while he was saying these words, he saw some writing impressed on the ground beside her head, where the following words had been written. Father Zosimus, bury the body of the humble Mary in this place, return dust to dust, and pray always to the Lord for me. I died in the mouth of Faramuthi, according to the Egyptians, April, according to the Romans. On that very night of the Passion of our Savior, after I received the Holy Last Supper. When the monk read these words, he was overjoyed, for he learned the name of the blessed woman. He realized that as soon as she received the divine sacrament at the River Jordan, she came immediately to this place where she died. In fact, the distance Zosimus had covered in twenty days of laborious walking, Mary had traversed in one hour, and had then departed straightway to God. Praising God while he drenched his body with tears, he thought to himself, It is now time, humble Zosimus, for you to fulfill her bidding. But how will you dig a burial pit, you poor man, since you have no tool at hand? As soon as he said this, he saw nearby a small piece of wood lying on the ground. He picked it up and tried to start digging, but since the earth was dry, it did not yield at all to the old man who was trying hard to dig, drenched with sweat. So he heaved a great sigh from the depths of his spirit, and lifting up his head, he saw a huge lion standing beside the dead body of the blessed woman licking the soles of her feet. When he saw the beast, he was terrified and trembled with fear, especially when he remembered Mary's words saying that she had never seen a wild beast. He made the sign of the cross, trusting that the power of the holy woman who was lying dead would keep him safe. The lion, in turn, began to fawn upon the monk, thus not only greeting him with the movements of its body, but also showing its intentions. Then Zosimus said to the lion, Since wild beasts... That great woman entrusted me with the burial of her dead body, and as I am an old man and do not have the strength to dig a pit, for I do not have the proper digging tool I need for such work, and since I cannot walk back such a long distance to get a suitable tool, do what is necessary with your claws so that we may return to the earth the body of the blessed woman. 
As soon as he said these words, the lion dug with its front paws a pit deep enough for the burial of her body. Once more, the monk bathed the blessed woman's feet with his tears and entreated her now even more to pray for all men. Then with the lion in attendance, he covered with her earth her body, which was naked as before and clad in nothing more than that torn cloak that Zosimus had thrown to her with adverted eyes and with which Mary had covered certain parts of her body. Then they both departed, the lion withdrawing like a sheep into the innermost part of the desert, while Zosimus returned to the monastery, blessing and praising Christ our God. When he came again to the Cenobitic monastery, he told the monks everything, without holding back anything of what he had heard and seen. Indeed, he narrated in detail everything from the beginning, so that all who heard the marvels of God were astonished and celebrated the blessed woman's memorial service with awe and affection. Moreover, John, the Father Superior, found certain people in the monastery who were in need of correction, so that even in this respect the blessed woman's words did not prove futile or fruitless. As for Zosimus, he died in that monastery when he was almost a hundred years old. The monks continued to pass on these events by word of mouth from one generation to the other, presenting them as a model of ascetic life to benefit those who wish to learn. However, to this day, they have never heard that anyone else has this has set this story down in writing. Thus I have put down in this written narrative what I have heard by word of mouth. Perhaps others too have written the life of the blessed woman, and probably in a more imposing style than my own, even though nothing of this sort has ever come to my attention. Nevertheless, I wrote this story to the best of my ability, desiring to prefer nothing but the truth. May God reward with great gifts those who take refuge in him, Grant me as a reward the benefit of those who read the story, and may he grant it as well to the one who commanded that this work, I mean this narrative, be handed down in writing. And may God deem us worthy of the state and position of this blessed Mary, the subject of the story, along with all those individuals who ever pleased him through their contemplation and acts. Let us, too, therefore, give glory to God, the universal King of ages, so that he may deem us worthy of mercy on the day of judgment, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom belongs all glory, honor, and reverence forever, together with his eternal Father, and the all-holy, benevolent, and life-giving Spirit, now and ever and to ages of ages. Amen.